With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm here, uh, as always, joined by Mr. Mike Valverde. Mike, I have a question for you today, sir. I have a favor. You're pretty good on, like, technology, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, as social media goes, I'm probably um, too too spread out. But, yeah, yeah, I got my finger on on that. Okay. Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out a way to go back and change, like, everything that I've said about Lamar Jackson. Is there a way to, like – dub in there me saying um instead of saying lamar jackson could you have me say josh allen (laughs) (laughs) i i I can i can work my magic you know it it definitely uh it's going to take some time but but we'll get there okay okay i i appreciate that man i was of all the things that i think happened like over the over recent time like i think what so many people are like very, very excited about right now is just the progress that we've seen and the feeling and the excitement that we've seen from Josh Allen. And I think he's, he has rushed for more yards in the last three weeks than any other quarterback in the history of the league over a three week span, including Michael Vick. So he's doing things that we really just haven't seen before. And I know Josh Allen was not high on your list of quarterbacks you thought was going to succeed. He's absolutely not high on my quarterbacks that I thought were going to succeed coming into the year. Is, is anything changing? And I know we talked a little bit about this this last week, but but even coming into this week, seeing what he's doing on the ground, um, still having some struggles through the air, but also he doesn't have anybody around him. Where where is he making any movement in terms of? If you're looking at 2019, your quarterback rankings, are, are they, is he making any movement up your list? And 
getting a little bit more um, are you getting a little bit more comfortable with the idea of rostering him and at times expecting pretty big games from him? I think that it depends on where in the draft you're actually falling that he's still available in that you would feel good about. He, a lot of his production, of course, is going to come with the run and he, because he is just inaccurate as anything. And, yeah, you're right. They're, they're, I mean, when you're looking at Zay Jones and Foster and those kind of guys that, you know, they're not, they're not the marquee names that you really want your quarterback to be thrown to. But, again, that's a lot of Allen, too. He's just not – I don't, I don't think he'll ever be – accurate enough to be a good pocket quarterback so a lot of those points are going to come on the run and i i would feel fine like totally fine in a two quarterback league having josh allen i wouldn't mind that a bit but starting him on a weekly basis or even considering starting him on a weekly basis in a one quarterback league i think it's just too difficult to to say right now but um it's it's one of those projects that you're glad you have on your team, on your dynasty team, but you have to wait for a while to see how things really unfold uh, to get a gauge on how and where uh, he's going to really fall and end up being as a quarterback. Yeah, I am. Uh, I think as a dynasty guy, I'm excited about Zay Jones and, you know, Robert Foster and all. I, like, I, I think I'm intrigued by those guys. But, you know, I think we did see in – and I'll bring up a quarterback who is also a little bit inaccurate, makes some bad throws at times, but can get things done on uh, on the ground. Maybe not to the degree that these guys can, but we saw what adding a, a marquee big-time wide receiver did for Dak Prescott where in the beginning of the year we were, you know, I think, and even probably rightfully so, looking at the weapons around him and saying, this is not a guy that I have high hopes for in Dynasty. And then ever since Amari Cooper has been around, all of a sudden we've got a brand-new Dak Prescott. And, yes, it was the Eagles beat up secondary, but threw for 450 yards and uh, three touchdowns this past weekend. So – yeah, you add a you add a weapon like like um, obviously they're not going to be able to add Amari Cooper, but let's say they're able to add one of these really good top end wide receivers that's coming out of the draft this year, and that like if they're able to add a guy like that who can work really well with Dak or with, excuse me with Josh Allen, do you think that there's that there's a chance that he's got a much higher ceiling than? Then we thought, like, right now, I think he would be kind of at that bottom end of the QB2, or the expectations would be that he'd be at the bottom of that QB2 with maybe some blips of going up high. I mean, is he ever going to be a guy that could be, like, a low-end QB1, high-end QB2, or you just don't think that the passing game is ever quite going to be there? Yeah, it's it's difficult to say that the passing game will never be there just because teams can change quite drastically. Uh, you know, um, Dallas, before Ezekiel Elliott, was a high, you know, passing team. They really passed the ball quite a bit. But then Elliott comes around and it changes that landscape of, of the team. So it definitely can er, work the other way around. Uh, so it's 
I wouldn't say never, but it, you know, it's the way they're pointing, the way the direction is going. It's hard to say that that passing game will ever develop um, into something different. They're going to have to really make over the team, and it also depends on personnel too. If they if they put the offensive linemen that uh, are are road graders, or um, then you got to change that. It, those kind of things. So, like the Arizona Cardinals, their their offensive line is built to run the ball. So to say, okay, Josh Rosen, we're now going to rely on you without changing that offensive line and that personnel, then you're looking for disaster. So it, it, it's a lot of a lot of those little factors have to go in deciding on what's going to happen and how much change is going to be made. Yeah, and I think the other thing to remember too, like another big difference. Uh, as I, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate, I'm kind of playing both sides here. But I think the other big thing to remember is that Dak Prescott, it, notoriously, uh, it, this has been true his whole career, even when he struggled, he really doesn't turn the ball over that much. And I do think Josh Allen is going to be a little turnover prone for, for his career. I mean, that's just that's um, kind of what comes with a little bit more of an aggressive personality. And I think he does he does have that. Um and that's going to that's gonna make it to where he's going to have some higher highs and he's going to have some lower lows. And even though, yes, he's done really well these past few weeks, he also has four turnovers dur- during that time. And that's, you know, you're going to get that. It's going to come with it. Um, I think, you know, I, I think it's similar to let's, let's transition from him over to uh, Lamar Jackson, who I think is, you know, w- would you consider Lamar Jackson kind of a very similar player? Like it, what, what are – I guess from a scouting perspective or thinking about going forward in the 2019, what, what are the differences in, the, in these guys? Or is it kind of like that Spider-Man meme where you've got the guy looking at it, where they looking at each other and, go, and pointing at each other, you know, the one I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. That, that, uh, um, so yeah, you know, I, I think, I think uh, it's definitely uh, a Spider-Man meme kind of situation. Uh, but uh the the difference there i i feel is that even though allen and they both run the ball quite a bit i think allen is built bigger he you know he's a bigger guy and i i could trust him taking a hit more than i could take uh lamar jackson i mean the guy got already hurt um you know last weekend and so it, it it's just those things that, that worry me that and that's why i sort of compare him to rg3 a bit is because both are sort of physical in stature and both run the ball a great deal. Um, a lot of people want to say he's Mike Vick um, just because he runs the ball, but I don't, he, again, Mike Vick was bigger. Um, he, he was a more stout kind of a running back. I'm mean, not running back, but quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a twig. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, they're both runners, but I, I, I'll have more faith in Allen to stay healthy than I would uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, and I think I'm, I think I'm with you. I, I, I'm excited about Lamar Jackson. I'm, I'm now, I guess, more excited than I was before about Josh Allen. Um, still just with my kind of that cautiously like one-eye cock, you know, like a, a little bit unsure of what's going to happen going forward because – you know, I guess the truth is the amount of quarterbacks who have come into the league with this type of ability 
and have been successful over a long period of time, I think why everybody gets the Michael Vick comp is because he's the only one that actually was very successful at a long time. I guess you could go back to Steve Young and all that. I guess I'm talking a little bit more modern. When you look at this modern game, uh, you guys like Baker Mayfield are a little bit more likely to have success than someone like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. His game just tends to seems to translate a little bit better. And I think, people would look at that and say he, he's, he's more talented. But I think, would you, three, let's say three years from now, um, do you expect Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, to still be outperforming uh, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen? Or do you think the latter's game fits a little bit more into what you expect to breed long-term fantasy success? I think the ceiling is higher than, than say, uh, Josh Rosen. I think what we're seeing out of Josh Rosen can be improved on uh, as time goes by, but he's really limited in his physical attributes. He's not a guy that's going to throw bombs down the field. Uh, I mean, I think the best you could probably hope for out of Rosen is a better career than Sam Bradford. Uh, And it's not going to be by much. They're, they're very much alike in that way. And so, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't really have much. Uh, it wasn't difficult for the Cardinals to pull Bradford out and get rid of him eventually because Rosen is can step in and, and well, he, he actually did play Brad, better than Bradford over the year. But, you know, that kind of thing where you just hope he, he grows a little bit. But there's really not much ceiling there for uh, for Rosen. As far as the other guys, there's a lot more ceiling, but there's a lot – more floor as well so it's one of those things that's either you're going to sink, sink or swim for the rest of rest of those guys outside of uh, mayfield and rosen and i definitely have less hopes for uh darnold and uh allen I, I have a little bit more hopes for jackson because uh a couple of i've seen some of his uh games so far the last couple of weeks and He's put up some beautiful passes. He he can really pass that ball, and he has a great arm strength. Uh, he just needs to do more of it. So I, I'm I'm leaning more towards Jackson being sort of the third guy now, um, where he was my fifth guy uh, coming into the year and even into the middle late of this season. So that's really interesting. Um, I want to talk a, a little bit about Josh Rosen there because, if I'm not mistaken, he was your top – rookie quarterback coming into the year right i mean you you really had i guess the highest hopes for him uh so it's got to pain you a little bit to say what you've seen so far um is diminished think he can ultimately be i mean to say sam bradford is his who he's going to be that's i mean that's damning with faint praise to say the least yeah it's it's not great And, and you know i i as far as like uh Coming into the season, um, I, th- I just thought he was the most reliable kind of guy. Like, uh, I knew that he was going to be a steady Eddie kind of player. Um, I-, I knew that he didn't have great ceiling, but I knew that his floor was also limited. Um, so, yeah, uh, he- he's-, he's definitely my number one guy. And I-, and, I- and I still put him, I mean, I would probably switch Bay- Mayfield because I had Mayfield at number two. But at this point, definitely Mayfield's number one and Rosen's number two. 
but I still have him as my number two guy with the other one sort of falling off um, at this point. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm hoping what I, what I need to see out of Rosen is when they develop a better offensive line, how good is he going to be? Uh, right now the offense is crud. It, they're not doing anything. And that, a lot of that's offensive line. So once that offensive line gets better, how how well will he perform? Now, if he's performing like he is now, then I'll, I'll just throw up my hands and go, okay, I was way wrong on the dude. But I still believe that he, he's ahead of the class because of his performance and because he has a great big wall in his face every single time he goes back to pass. Uh, just doing a little bit of research, a little bit here on uh, on Josh Rosen. And here you would say the Arizona Cardinals were not great offensively, right? I mean, like that's not a that's not a shock to say. Hey, they they maybe struggled uh, to move the ball a little bit last year. It's what held them back. So, you know, they get rid of Bruce Arians. They they have an opportunity uh, and go out and I, I forget I'm the name of the new coaches escaping me for the time being, but. Uh, with an, they feel like they were going to be better by making this move. Last season, they were 22nd in the league in yards per game. Do you want to know where they are this year? Oh, God, they're probably 30, 31st or 32nd, I would imagine. 32. They are dead last in the league. They are, they're getting right now about – 70 less yards a game than they got last year uh, on, on average, which, you know, they would be obviously ranked, you know, in a, still in the, in the twenties had they just stayed the same somewhere around that 22, 23 range. But like, I mean, it has just really fallen off. Every time I look at this team and I don't know if you saw, but some guy named Sheffield, Sheffield, some, something like that led the team in receiving this past week. I mean, I know, Christian Kirk is hurt and you know we were trying to figure out who would get some of those targets but you've got Larry Fitzgerald on your team you've got David Johnson on your team like it's not like this team is completely barren of talent heck I mean even Ricky Sills Jones has proven to be a useful offensive piece but they end up going to the game last week and yeah Sherfield some guy named T Sherfield who I've never heard of Trent Sherfield maybe you know him I don't know him. He led the uh, no, team in targets this past – or, no, he had seven targets this past week. So, I, I don't know. I, five catches, 77 yards. I just think there's something very broken about this. And, you know, Chase Edmonds is still getting his carries. And I, I like, like Chase Edmonds. Um, he only had three this past week. He was obviously used more the week before. But uh, I don't know. When you, when you go in and face the, uh, the Lions – and you can't do more than they did. They put up three points. Um, it's tough. It, I don't know how this coaching staff is going to be more than a one-year wonder here and how they don't just move on, you know, certainly from an offensive coordinator standpoint. And I think if you're holding on to Josh Rosen, if there's any hope, it's that he could get himself with somebody else. And, I, you know, I know this isn't going to be the biggest the – biggest, um, comparison but um you know i've often thought instead of sam bradford maybe even like a chad pennington could be a good example of someone that josh rosen could be so maybe not the high high ceiling but 
you know, very cerebral quarterback who's got the ability to understand and dictate and, and get the ball out of, his, out of his hands, even if he doesn't have all the physical tools that some of his other guys have. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. It, you know, and Chad Pennington would not, wouldn't be too bad, um, but I think Pennington actually had some mobility, too, where Rosen doesn't have any of that. Uh, so it's just, it, yeah, um, and, and, and you're right, it's a good measurement. You know, the first thing that came to my mind about 2017 Cardinals was the fact that Carson Palmer was the quarterback. But then I remember that they didn't have David Johnson uh, for pretty much the whole season because uh, he went down with that wrist injury in week one. So you're like, okay, well, you have David, you have Carson Palmer, but you don't have David Johnson. So why, why, why do you drop so far, far off when, you know, I would rather have David Johnson and uh, Rosen as a tandem comparable to Carson Palmer and nobody. So how do you go worse than, than what you started with? I don't know, but they did fire the offensive coordinator. um, And, you know, I don't know how, how much of a better job that, um, the, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, how um, Leftwich is doing. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it, they're, they're, I'm sorry. No, I just you, you said Leftwich. I was just saying, yeah, that's the guy. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I I don't know how much uh, how much difference is going to be made with coaching changes, but something definitely needs to be done because their offense is garbage. It's a the 49ers, when the 49ers and the Jets are out producing you on offense and the Raiders, yeah, that's how bad it is. I'm usually not inclined to judge someone's whole career based on five passes, but Kyle Laletta was 0 for 5 with an interception uh, against the Redskins in garbage time this past week, uh, a Redskins team that had just given up. Uh, tell me why I should – still have some kind of hope or faith in in Kyle Laletta. I know you've been one of his bigger fans from a dynasty I have been. Uh, stash perspective. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's definitely been, um, and he's on a lot of my teams, especially the ones that I own uh, Eli Manning in. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, I, I, I still think that they're looking to him being the backup quarterback to come in and replace Eli Manning. So you have a starter at least for, you know, a few games if he's absolutely as terrible as he was uh, coming in. And the other thing, too, is is sample size. And he, he, this was his first time he ever stepped on the field uh, as a, you know, rookie. So, yeah, those kind, of, those kind of things, you're like, yeah, it was a horrible day. Zero for five with an interception is not something you want to start your career with. But – um, a lot of other quarterbacks out there were bad too to start with. Uh, Peyton Manning had a horrible start, you know. So it, it's just one of those things where you have to say, okay, I got to see more of to, to finally make a decision. But is there is there a carefree, no worry zone carried with a uh, Kyle Letta? No way, no way. You, you, there is some concern, but um, I definitely would would take some more sample sizes and, and just go from there. Yeah, I uh, so I, I'll leave the uh, rookie quarterbacks alone, but um, but yeah, and I wanted to give you a chance to comment on that after his over five week. But um, 
a couple. I'm moving to now, like a little bit of a different section, and I, um, I'm gonna, I guess, give you a chance to kind of think about this question while I tell you what I'm what I'm thinking on it. But I want to know who you're buying in Dynasty from a quarterback perspective right now. And I guess what I mean is, you know, in Dynasty, we're always in a little bit of a a little bit of a right now um, mentality, but also a long-term. So you're always thinking short-term and long-term. And obviously you're in the playoffs and you're thinking about winning. And, you know, but, but if you're out, I mean, there is no off-season in Dynasty football. So you are you're, – you're thinking next year. And um, I think even on teams like where I've got uh, Drew Brees as my quarterback, I am thinking about who's going to be my quarterback after him. I'm always thinking about who's the next guy. And so – I was thinking this week about um, about who, over the course of the offseason next year, who might be able to come at a price that I I would like. And I, I thought about three names of guys that I could be excited about and I think could outproduce what they've done this year and just where I think their the market is on 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 their value. So like. The three guys that I thought about, number one, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. So I know Deshaun Watson has been very disappointing this year, but sometimes when you get a situation like this where there's a guy that is, is disappointing, what happens to his value is it, it goes from that high, 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 where I, I, I want to say in Dynasty Startups this year, he was, he was like the second quarterback off the board, sometimes the first quarterback off the board. Whereas obviously that's not going to be the case now, and um, I I think going into 2019, if I've got a team where I'm trying to reshape my roster, get get a new quarterback in there, or if I've got Tom Brady and I've been trying to make a push, and now I want to get a little bit younger, um, Deshaun Watson might be a guy that you can get at a little bit of a discount. And part of why I say that is I, I do think they've been a little bit careful with him with him this year coming back from the ACL injury. Uh, having had that injury myself, I know that it took more than just a year for me to start getting where I felt strength back. And obviously that's not producing at a elite professional athlete level. And I know there are some guys who are freaks. Adrian Peterson came back and did what he did, and that's just – Whatever you, that's just—I guess that's just reality. But for some of those guys, but not everybody's like that. And I think if you watch Deshaun Watson and you look at the offense, uh, you look at next season. You've got obviously you got DeAndre Hopkins, but you've got Will Fuller that's going to at some point be coming back as well. You got another year of Kiki Cutie, and I, I don't know actually enough about. Um, about uh, oh, who's the guy from Denver? Uh, Demaris Thomas. I don't know enough about his contract, but I, I got to think if it's not him, there will be other pieces. He's going to have a good offense, and where whereas there might be a little bit of overreaction to oh, he wasn't good this year, he was terrible. He hasn't been terrible, and I, I think the perception on him is going to be at a place where you're going to be able to buy him well. Um, the other guy, very similar, and I'll just I'll say him real quick is Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz is another guy coming off an injury that he's not been playing to where maybe you would you would hope or you expected when you drafted him this year. But I, I, just by the same token, I think I think there are good days ahead for Carson Wentz. I think he is the kind of guy who his value might be too low coming into the off season as people are 
were expecting everything they saw from him in the beginning of the year last year before he got hurt, same way that they did with Deshaun Watson. And now you're not sure right in this moment if you can rely on him as a quarterback one or not. I think next year you will be able to. So if you can get him at a bit of a discount, I think him as well. And then sometimes another guy coming back from an injury, much more recent though, Jimmy Garoppolo, if, if, and I'll just say this, if Kyle Shanahan can do what he's doing with Nick Mullins, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be fun next year. Dante Pettis has looked awesome. George Kittle has been amazing. I think they're going to continue to add pieces. Uh, they'll get Jerick McKinnon back. Hopefully he'll be healthy. Uh, those are the three quarterbacks that I'm kind of looking at. If I'm looking at quarterbacks of the offseason that might get their value a little bit depressed where I can buy at a discount, I'm, I'm looking at those three that have pretty high ceilings. Uh, what about you? Is there anybody that you can think of, maybe you want to add to that list, or even if you just want to comment on some of those guys? But who are you looking at maybe as you're thinking about next season to handle your quarterback position in your league? Um, the the one guy that uh, and you sort of touched on him a little bit is uh, Teddy Bridgewater and you know I don't I don't know you know Drew Brees' uh, situation as far as how many more years that kind of thing but uh, yeah he's the first guy that sort of popped in my 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 head and uh, also as you mentioned Nick Mullins is going to be an interesting situation because he's played well enough and has had several games now under his belt that has shown that he is a capable quarterback. So I don't see the 49ers hanging on to him per se, because they're not locked into him for any great amount of time or anything to that effect. So he, he can definitely become probably a free agent and go somewhere that, that a team is struggling with their, their quarterback situation and maybe can either be a backup and, test the waters and see, okay, well, we have this guy, maybe like the Giants, right, where Kyle Aletta is the quarterback going into the season, but let's just say he falters off. Well, Nick Mullins comes in and has that opportunity, where the 49ers, probably not going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and I would look, that those are the kind of situations I would look at, is to see which teams are having which quarterbacks and which of those quarterbacks have either a backup or the possible quarterback that have turned their season around or have gotten opportunities to turn their season around and see if where they land and what um, opportunities they can get as far as those teams are considered. Love it. Awesome, man. Good job. Um, Okay. Let's move on to talking about running backs and, uh, of all the things that I expected to have happen this, this week, obviously it was Thursday and it's been a little bit of time since then. You've had a chance to think about it. But uh, what do you think about Derrick Henry's performance on Thursday? Obviously not what anybody expected. I think he was only started in a, in a, in a few leagues. I saw. I think the funniest comment that I saw on Twitter was somebody saying that he, uh, he's out there single-handedly winning people their consolation bracket. What uh, – <laughs> What do you, I guess, when you look at Derrick Henry, what are your, I guess I don't really remember what your overall thoughts on him were coming into um, this year. And what are you seeing from him now as you look at, as you just look at what he he did Thursday? Yeah, I've never been a big fan of Henry. Uh, I actually drafted him as a rookie in Dynasty League and traded him pretty much right away. Uh, So, 
yeah, I he's he's never been a, a favorite of mine. He just runs way too upright, but when he does when he does get it going, he he's hard to tackle. Uh, not to say that the Jacksonville Jaguars did a good job of technique in tackling him because they didn't, but uh, even so, he's one of those players that this player defensive players just bounce off of, um, and so. The part hard part, of course, is getting him going, and you just you just can't rely on a player that that needs help getting going in the NFL. It's just not going to work. So I, I don't like him now. Um, I think he had a great game. He just was absolutely the kind of player I love to watch. You know, some of the, where they just truck over defenders and big bruising running backs are always my favorite kind of backs. But as far as the future, as far as anything other than what happened last week, I, I don't really have much of faith in him whatsoever. Okay, so I'm going to go the other way on this. And I know this, I, I'm a little crazy on, on it because I was not very high on Derrick Henry coming into the year, and I was not very big on him at any point. Even watching the game, I was, I was curious, but I – there are just a couple of things that I notice and I, it, that make me want to, if nothing else, if I'm not, I, I wouldn't say, Hey, I'm completely buying in, but there are at least a few things that I, I, I'm not sure we should dismiss it as a total fluke. Um, it might be, but there are a couple of things that I just, I, I see some signs for optimism. So as I was looking at this last night, I, I just noticed that his – if you look at his first seven games, which is before the bye, you've got a very different look at as far as a productive runner than you do after the bye. Now, I'm using just a very simple metric and just looking at his yards per carry. And – but it stuck out to me that uh, as I was looking at his page, if you look before his bye, I mean, he's in the – he's 2-6, 3-1, 3-2, 3 he has a, a a blip where he gets 11 carries and gets 5.1 yards per carry uh, against, against Buffalo. Then he's right back to 3.028. I mean, he is, from a yards per carry standpoint, he is um, a very pedestrian, very poor runner. And you can see, he starts off the year, he gets, he gets 10 attempts in the first game in a game that kind of got away from them. But uh, then he gets 18 against Houston. He gets 18 against Jacksonville. And then it's almost like you could you, you could see they 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 lost some faith in him, and then he gets eight and eleven and seven and twelve. So his, his usage goes dips down a bit, goes into the buy, and this is something I, I didn't have a chance to research it anymore to see if anybody noted any changes. Maybe you remember, or maybe it's just something I'm going to look for maybe a little bit more in the off season, depending on how the rest of the season goes. But there's a clear difference when you when he gets back from the buy. He only gets six carries. He gets six, eleven, nine, eight, ten, and then this week he got seventeen. But it, it's as they have started to, I guess, trust him a little bit more. Um, he got four point five yards per carry, five point three, five point one. Well, dipping at three point eight against Houston, which that's a tough defense. Four against the Jets, and then obviously a giant, giant, gigantic game at fourteen yards per carry against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars this week, but. Um, I, I don't know if there was something that changed or something different, but I think 
I think there clearly was a, a different runner before the bye and after. I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's adjustment that he made, something he noticed on film, something somebody else noticed on film, whatever it is. But if he begins to gain that trust back in his coaches and he's going to now start getting back what he had at the beginning of the year, get that 18 to 20 type um, attempts per game, I mean – you got a lot of tired defenses on the field. He could really actually be pretty productive for the course of this, the last part of this. And if there really is a change and he matured and understands that he's doing something different, preparing different, running different, whatever it is, that could be a good, that could be a good thing for going into next season. And if he finishes this year strong, he'll get another opportunity to prove that next year. Yeah. I, I definitely think he's going to get a, a lot of opportunities to, to, prove what he's worth just because of his athletic skills and ability uh so yeah and they did lose a lot of faith in him i mean they they really uh lewis became the guy for quite a few games and just because as you're meant reading off his his yards um per carry average you don't really have a choice when a guy's whatever i, I don't remember exactly the numbers but let's just say 2.5 and 3.1 and those kind of numbers you, you just can't put your faith into anyone like that so uh he's he definitely has gotten the carries he got the he rightfully so got the carries i think he gassed him um because they were at the goal line um their last drive and he's like no no i i'm i, I can't i can't do this yeah he kept putting lewis back in and even the coach comes up to him and is like, we need you in. And he's like, uh, can't do it. So, um, <laughs> it's, it, you know, it definitely, uh, had, had him pretty exhausted. So, uh, yeah, uh, I want to see more, I, but I don't know. I just don't have the faith in him yet until he can show it like Amari Cooper. I mean, I always thought that Mario Cooper had the skill set and was a great athlete and great player. But as long as he was with the Raiders, I didn't have any faith in him whatsoever. But then he goes to Dallas, and now he's showing exactly what he is capable of. Let's talk about some other guys. And I think this was a really fun week for uh, for Dynasty football running backs. I think, you know, there was obviously some good performances from big-name guys. But you also had the really first look at um, a few Dynasty-related guys. And I think – Jeff Wilson is a, a real person who started a game and got 20-something carries this past week. 49ers, I, I don't know what his future holds. I know Matt Breed is still going to figure into that um, that backfield. I know Jarrett McKinnon will figure in at some point next next year. But uh, Shanahan running back, as far as they go, Jeff Wilson is certainly showing that he can do it. I think if Breed is out again this week, I'm probably putting him back in my lineup. He's He didn't look lost. He looked he looked pretty good. Um, that's a guy that I'm definitely – I picked him up in a couple, off a couple of waivers, and I'm going to be a little bit more comfortable putting him in my lineup this week. Yeah, I, I would feel real comfortable putting him in my lineup. He's gotten the job done since he's had that opportunity to be the starter for the 49ers. And, you know, uh, why not? He, he can catch the ball pretty good, and he definitely uh, runs with authority big kind of small bowling ball type of back and he's yeah I, I i wouldn't have any problems putting him in in sort of a you know three or four uh running back 
position if if you know you have a deep roster where you're starting you know three or four or if you're in a injury injury hell kind of situation where you're looking for your third running back or you're looking at your fourth running back those kind of things um so yeah definitely he's he's shown a lot of a lot of uh, athletic ability yeah I'm, I'm with you and i think he only caught one pass this, this week but uh, a lot of that was game script denver really didn't make that game very competitive so uh he he carried the ball 23 times instead so i think going into next week they're paying seattle that's a tough run defense but i expect him to get a little bit more dump off out of the backfield and he could be back in that he had he had eight catches against them in week 13 i don't see why he couldn't do something very similar next week as well so i think in ppr leagues i'm definitely firing him up in there a couple of guys that i think have a little bit more pedigree to them um, that got opportunities this week, some mixed results. Jalen Samuels, I, I thought, actually looked oh, looked okay. There was a little worried that he'd be in a timeshare there with Stephen Ridley. But Jalen Samuels, I thought, looked really good. And Justin Jackson didn't have a chance to perform quite like you'd want him to, but he's going to get a chance this Thursday to really be highlighted when Eckler's out and Melvin Gordon having a hard time practicing. I don't know if Melvin Gordon plays or not, but if he doesn't, Justin Jackson's going to have a really good opportunity to be highlighted. Uh, what about those two guys? What are your thoughts on them from this past weekend? And um, and just neither one of the guys you expect to have a starting job next year. At best, you're hoping for a backup role. But I think from Dynasty's perspective, we're watching them just to see if they ever do happen to get a, a job, are they going to be able to produce with it? Right. And I, I really like Justin Jackson. I think he's one of those running backs that uh, – it's going to surprise you that you don't really expect or are familiar with coming into the season, but get that opportunity to showcase his skills. And I think this, this week will be a really good test on that to see if he's capable of carrying a team. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's my number one guy that, that I'm, I've been a big fan of and looking on the waiver wires and getting where I can. He's, his percentage, of course, ownership has gone through the roof just because of the fact that he has shown uh, good good quality skills. And as long as he's getting the carries and as long as he's being the man active, then people are going to be clamoring for him. So I don't know how many how many uh, chances you're going to get to get him, but if he's still out there, I, I would definitely grab him. How about Elijah McGuire, man? Elijah McGuire is uh, a guy we've had our eyes on in um, Dynasty Leagues for a little while, and he had, he had, from what I can tell, his most rushing attempts that he's had ever in his career. He had 17 this past week when Crowell got hurt. Uh, there's a good chance that he gets all the carries this week. It's a tough matchup against Houston, so I don't know that I'm putting him in my lineups, but I'm pretty excited to watch Elijah McGuire this week too. Yeah, me too. I, I really like watching him play. He seems that the Jets have made a mistake with Isaiah Crowell, and I think he has a great future. He's he's just been really the only Jet so far that has been able to produce on a consistent basis, and as long as he stays healthy and avoids injury like he did earlier this year, he, then, yeah, the future is really bright for this kid, and I'm I'm pretty excited and pumped up to, to watch him play this week and see how, how he does against, as you said, a, a good, solid defense in the Texans. A uh, bit of a deep deeper dive here on these two guys, but a uh, couple of 
kind of interesting names. If you've got, you know, if you've been holding on to like Keith Kirkwood or Dan Arnold or um, some of these guys in dynasty leagues that uh, clearly aren't, it, I don't, I don't think they're going to be uh, anything special. Um, maybe, maybe take a flyer on either Isaiah McKenzie or Boston Scott. Both those guys uh, are going to get potentially some opportunity. Isaiah McKenzie with LaShawn McCoy possibly hurt and, you know, only Chris Ivory and um, uh, I can't even remember the other guy's name that might, might be in, in front of Marcus Murphy, but Isaiah McKenzie could get a shot. He could get a, a chance to, he also has the ability to run some routes. He's a pretty good receiver. So uh, what do you think about uh, Isaiah McKenzie or Boston Scott? Philadelphia signed him off of New Orleans Saints practice squad. That's a name that we all got a little bit excited about at the beginning of the year when we thought he was going to fill in for Mark Ingram and the Saints surprisingly released him and signed him back to their practice squad. Uh, but might get an opportunity to, I don't know if he'll get on the field this week, but if he can replace Corey, Corey Clement, uh, maybe get a chance to get on the field at the end of this year and uh, maybe have a role somewhere next year. Yeah, I, I was surprised too about that because he was, like you said, with Boston Scott, he was one of those players that I think a lot of people either drafted you know, in the fifth round or whatever, and or picked him up on waiver wires because he was sort of having a, a pretty good preseason, and then boom, cut, and then signed to the to the practice squad with the Saints. So yeah, I want to see what what that's all about. Why why did they feel that he should you know be cut and take a chance of him being picked up somewhere else, which you you know obviously eventually did. And then, as far as McKenzie, they're going to be looking for a replacement for LeSean McCoy. And the Bills are pretty much out of the playoffs as, as we're talking. So, why not give these guys a shot to see how they perform on the field? And if they're good enough to replace someone like LeSean McCoy or give another look at to see how well he can fit into our system. So, of the players of the two players, I would probably lean more towards McKenzie because there's probably going to be more of an opportunity considering this may, may not be LaShawn McCoy's last year, but it's definitely coming to an end. So he has, McKenzie has a better chance at fulfilling that volume. And that's the way I'd lean, but I'm really intrigued by Boston Scott just because he's sort of more of the name and was performing before McKenzie really even was even looked at. So, both guys are intriguing. Um, I'd pick up both guys just to see how they perform down the road. And, you know, if, they, if they're if they never heard of again, you know, cut them loose. But these guys definitely are being looked at to give those respected teams a chance to give them the ball. So can't deny that, especially at the running back position. A couple of other uh, quick dynasty things. Uh, moving on from those guys who were just, you know, deeper leagues were – excited about but uh more overarching dynasty philosophy things uh if you've got the one one next year in a dynasty startup which i think i'm gonna i am gonna try and get into a dynasty at least one dynasty startup next year um if you've got the one one are we at the point where it's perfectly acceptable to go ahead and take saquon barkley over todd Gurley? yeah I, I I don't see why not. Uh, I I most certainly would. I think coming into the season, the biggest fear that I had was that Giants offensive line, and 
that's why I really thought that Barkley might struggle, but that seems to be non-existent and not a problem. So, uh, and you know, with Gurley, it's he's really sort of um, I'm saying, yeah, he's a great running back, but I think Barkley has more talent, and they're going to rely on him more. They certainly like to use him out of the backfield a lot more. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I if I if I'm sitting there with a one-one, I'm picking Barkley. I think this is the most excited I've been like during a player's rookie year that I've been since Adrian Peterson's rookie year when he just, you know, just a guy that immediately steps on the field and is right away one of the best there, at their position. And uh, I, you know, I, I obviously a little bit of a different running back, but maybe better because. He's also got the ability to catch passes out of the backfield. I mean, he literally can do, you know, just about anything you ask him to do. I mean, he's you could certainly comp him to Gurley to a degree. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he is – Saquon Barkley is just unreal, having an unreal uh, season on on a team that has Eli Manning as their quarterback. <laughs> you know, so, right. gosh, if they ever get a better offense around him, I mean, he could really just be – very, very special. So um, speaking of kind of that on uh, one, one, one conversations last year in rookie drafts, um, you may have been different. You may have been one of the lone voices on this, but we can very clearly say that the right choice between McCaffrey and Fournette was McCaffrey, right? I'm hoping so. I I was definitely, uh, that's, that's something I'm a little proud of. I tell you, Uh, I've, I've been, pushing McCaffrey when he, when the NFL was looking to, to, to draft him in the fourth and fifth round um, kind of back. And I was saying, no way, no way. Um, yeah, I'm definitely a, a McCaffrey fan without a doubt. And now that you bring that up, yeah, Fournette, I, I had him over Fournette and just because of his injury issues and, and things like that. And just, McCaffrey being more multi-purpose uh, than Fournette. Uh, Fournette can catch the ball, but he can't catch it obviously as nearly as well as McCaffrey can. And just those certain things that told me that McCaffrey was probably the better option over Fournette. Well, I think the the worst case scenario for Fournette has come true, and the worst case for McCaffrey has not. The best case has really come come true for him because. I, and I had the one one last year, and I regret taking Fournette because I thought, you know, I looked at it and I thought Fournette, yeah, maybe he he didn't catch a lot of passes at LSU, but man, there's no reason why he couldn't. He so he could have that he could have that ability. That I thought he was a very special runner, and you know, when you have a guy that can run in between the tackles the way that he can, you know, you just you there's a certain comfort level there. My my questions with McCaffrey had more to do with, yes, I know he can catch the ball. He may be one of the best, you know, running back ball catchers out there, but can he run between the tackles? And Fournette has not answered the question on whether he can be a receiver out of the backfield. McCaffrey has absolutely answered the question of whether he can be a runner uh, between the tackles. And that answer is a resounding yes. And kudos to Carolina for not, just fitting him into, you know, say a Tariq Cohen type role, uh, which I think was an outcome, a a possible outcome for McCaffrey that he could have been more like a Tariq Cohen. But instead he has become an all around, I mean, absolute stud 
Um, certainly top 10, if not top five overall player, probably in all of dynasty football right now, the kind of guy you build a roster around and, uh, yeah, you were the, one of the first people I ever heard talk about Christian McCaffrey in that level. And yeah, kudos to you, sir. That was definitely, he, he's, he's pretty special. Yeah. See, if you read my article on DLF, you would have been able to make the correct choice. <laughs> no, I just messed with you. <laughs> uh, some LSU bias might have played into that choice as well. I, I have to say sometimes, yeah, I don't blame you there. sometimes, yeah, sometimes my bias might get in the way, but, uh, um, so I want to ask you a little bit about some of these other guys. Cause I started thinking about how, how hard it's going to be ranking next year. And I want to toss some difficult questions out at you because there are some really good, I think, ascending running backs that are maybe not quite in that elite elite tier, but, just after those guys, um, just after, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's, the, you know, all the, you know, I put the Le'Veon Bells and the Ezekiel Elliott's and uh, Todd Gurley and Saquon Barkley, just after all those top end guys, um, I think you got a group of really intriguing running backs and uh, Aaron Jones looks like he's finally getting an opportunity to be the lead back. He got 20 touches this past week, put up over a hundred yards, uh, total and I mean really just looks like he's the kind of guy who might be the best running back in the, of the Aaron Rodgers era and could be a guy that's kind of in that next tier what um, Aaron Jones does some of it depend on who ends up being his coach next year or do you think forget about the coaching at some like whoever it is is going to come in there realize he's the best guy and he's going to get a chance. And, yeah, he's he's a, what, a top 15, top 12 running back next year. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think he's top 15. Uh, but he can definitely uh, finish in the top 10, uh, even top five. That, that's kind of his ability. But it, it, all, it just all depends on the direction and, he said, the coaching and those kind of things. So, does he have the ability to be a top 10 running back? Absolutely. As he's catching passes, something that I didn't think he could do. He's picking up blocks. He's doing everything that they had a negative on him in his rookie season. And the reasons why Jamal Williams was sort of the lead back coming in and up to a certain port, point in the season where they're just like, okay, we've done the Jamal Williams uh, story and he's not really uh, providing, but Aaron Jones is, and let's stick with him. And they finally, probably too late in the season, realized that. So I think he's the number one back coming into uh, Green Bay. He can do, he can, you know, ball carrier, catch, do all the things that they need him to do. And when you have sort of the main back, the one back, which is so few in the NFL, then you really got to look at him and climb around to him, especially if he falls or tilts into the second round, or if you have like a late round pick and you're deciding between a, say a wide receiver and a running back, and you really need a running back in that kind of direction. So yeah, absolutely. He's definitely on the way up and a big high sky arrow um, for, for him. I want to play a little, uh, would you rather game kind of coming off of this Aaron Jones talk and, um, I think a lot of these guys are very interesting. I'm curious how you're valuing them right now. But uh, 
would you rather on your team, would you rather Aaron Jones or Philip Lindsay? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I Right now, I would have to say Aaron Jones just because he's more active in the passing game than Philip Lindsay. I believe Philip Lindsay can get there. And the more they throw to him, the more that he develops, he's, he's going to eventually reach that area. Uh, also, Lindsay's just a rookie, too. So he definitely has more skills to develop where Aaron Jones has already had that one year of uh, Adam. But, yeah, I just I like the offense more with Green Bay and, of course, with Aaron Rodgers than I do with Denver. Uh, so it's a close second. It's a really close second, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to stick with Aaron Jones. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I think it's really close too. And I, I'll, um, uh, I, if, if you think that one was tough, I got some really, these are all very tough. And I think this is, as I started trying to wrap my brain around um, what I was thinking about for next year, uh, these are some pretty tough questions. So, how about um, you, you picked Aaron Jones there? How about Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook? Yeah, you know I'm gonna go with Dalvin Cook just because Cook is a better running back and a better receiver. The one big jolt of a hit for him, of course, is that injury, and he runs so fast that I think sometimes it's that you know the whole um, force and uh, speed and that that equation where he's his speed is so fast that whenever something with force hits him, it hurts him more than a, a different running back per se. And I'm really worried about his injury uh, career as it's going forward. He's already been out two years now where uh, he's missed some time the last year. Of course he missed a great deal. And then this year he's been in and out. So that has me concerned, but I can't say, put off a more talented player at this point in their careers and go with, uh, and uh, go with Dalvin cook uh, for that lead back or that number one back. I like it. Do you remember when people were worried about his athleticism? They, they, they weren't sure he was athletic enough to be a, a good running back in the NFL. Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, no, I probably ignored that because wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That was a real Good thing. Lord. I think people were looking. Yeah, they were looking at his uh, his combine numbers, and they were worried about his, his athleticism. And I just think when you watch him run, man, like he is just—he's so athletic. Like you said, he's very fast. Um, he sets up his blocks pretty well. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just—I think he's pretty fun to watch. I, I don't think he's getting enough opportunities with Minnesota right now, and some of that is probably what you're saying. That maybe a little bit more worried about his injury, but. Gosh, I sure hope he can get to where he can put together a long stream of games where that's not an issue and let him take the load, man, because he is um, uh, he is definitely a guy I'm, I, I don't know, I'm pretty excited about him. So, uh, so the questions just keep getting harder because uh, what about Dalvin Cook or Kerryon Johnson? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. And I think if, if Kerryon had – not get injured this year and had a second year behind him, I might start leaning towards carry on Johnson, but 
just the sample size alone, I'd I'd have to go with Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Um, then Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon. I'm still waiting for Joe Mixon to be able to perform on a consistent basis. I I, I, I don't get it. Uh, obviously, the Bengals' offense isn't very good. They even with AJ Green, they just they haven't been good this year. They're probably one of the lowest uh, scoring teams, which is oddly, strangely enough, um, part of their repertoire now. So they got a bad defense with a bad offense. Uh, so it, I don't know. Um, you know. Dalvin Cook is the guy, um, but I think Joe Mixon is more talented than, than Dalvin Cook. But at this point, I, I can't. I can't like Joe Mixon until he's more consistent. Yeah, I um, I, I think that's that's a really tough. You know, so we talked about Aaron Jones there, Philip Lindsay, Dalvin Cook, Carryon Johnson. Uh, and Joe Mixon, I think it's a really tough, but very talented, very good group of uh, of running backs right there. That um, you know, they're just they're very. Um, I, I, I think you can make a case on on maybe waiting on running back and grabbing a couple of those guys next season um, and be okay. What about um, all these guys? Now, here's a guy who's maintained some really high value. Uh, cause I tried to pluck him away from a couple of teams this, uh, in the last few weeks, but, uh, I couldn't get anybody to budge. What about, where do you fit Darius Geis and do you see him with this group or do you think he's maybe a notch below all these guys just cause we haven't seen it? It's definitely hard to say exactly where Geis might fit in, but boy, before he got injured, he looked tremendous. I mean, he looked amazing. So I, I, I wouldn't have any problems putting him in the mix of these guys at this point, uh, even though there's nothing to go on. But just seeing what he did and then obviously his, his college credentials, he, you know, outside of him being a, a punk, um, he's he's a great talent. And I would – yeah, I wouldn't have him put carry on Johnson, um, Joe Mixon in, in the mix with those guys. There's at least a couple of punks on that list. So, yeah, he, yeah. he'll uh, fit right in with uh, Mixon at least maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's not even fair. Maybe right. he's not quite. I think, yeah, maybe that's not even fair. Mixon might be the worst on the list by far. But, uh, yeah, so, well, good. I think so that's um, – I want to move on to wide receivers and, and just talk a little bit. You mentioned you mentioned Amari Cooper, and obviously he's kind of the, the wide receiver who is the – uh, biggest conversation point, and I'll take a second to to just say, I had I had um, three leagues where Amari Cooper, where I've got him on my dynasty roster, uh, no, sorry, two dynasty rosters and one redraft roster, that uh, basically single handled me handily won me those weeks. I at least one of them I thought I had zero chance in, and then he put up in that league with a scoring about fifty two points. And uh, was able to bring me to victory uh, and allow me to uh, proceed on to week 15. And uh, on the flip side, he made a couple of other ones pretty interesting where I thought I had him in the bag and he made them interesting. Luckily on those, I did well too. So actually on all of, all of my, all seven of my, I um, know all eight of my playoff teams, I did make it in. I make it on to round 
or to week 15, which is, uh, I don't know, pretty, pretty crazy that I was able to get through in all of them. But uh, I think that's the best I've done on a single week all year on all my, all my teams. But a lot of it on the back of Amari Cooper, and he made things interesting this week. Um, the only, I, I guess, obviously, we know what he's, what he's able to do. He's got a great connection with Dak Prescott there. Took advantage of a weak Philadelphia Eagles defense this week. But um, now the question becomes, how, how valuable is he? And I'll just start off by asking you what should have been a simple question probably two weeks ago. Maybe a little bit more complicated now. But next year, would you rather have Amari Cooper or A.J. Green? Oh, Amari Cooper by far. Uh, the way he's playing now, absolutely. Um, A.J. Green, to me, is sort of one of those players that is on the other side, is is sort of going on the downhill. So, And he's been slipping in a lot of drafts, too. Uh, I think in my home league, he, he actually got drafted in the, I think, late third round, uh, which – and then – the year before that, it was the second round for a couple of years. Um, and then before that, of course, was the first round. So he went from a first round to a third round pick in about four years. And I, I could see him sliding even more just because of the injury history. He's last, what has it been, three or four years since he, uh, he hasn't played a full season. And, you know, and then even when he's on the field, he, he's not always producing great numbers. And so, yeah, I, I, Mark Cooper has definitely – um, surpasses AJ Green in my mind. So you probably have him what in the wide receiver two, maybe high end wide receiver two range. Uh, AJ Green. Yeah. Uh, no, Amari um, Cooper. Right, right now I would have him as a number one. Really? Okay. So, so would you have him over, let's say, Ty Hilton? Yeah, I'll hit you. I I'll hit you where it hurts with your on on your cult team. Then. That hurts. Yeah, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, that that hurts. But at this point, right now, yeah, I would I would have him over Hilton. Yeah, if you've got him over Hilton, then I'd say you probably do have him as a uh, as a wide receiver one. Then, because um, what about so? Would you have him over Keenan Allen or Julio Jones? I don't think I would. I, would have, I, I think I'd still take both those guys over Amari. I would take him over Keenan Allen, but I, I wouldn't take him over Julio Jones. Okay. Mike Evans? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I, would, yeah, I would probably right go with there. Mike that's, Evans. That's the right range, though. And to be honest, I – what? Let's say four, maybe a, mu- a month ago, if we were doing this a month ago, like I might would have him behind like Cortland, Cortland Sutton a month ago, you know, like yeah. he would have been, right. I mean, nobody I think has done more for their fantasy value than he has um, over, over the course of the last month. And man, he is just, he's on a roll. I don't know if he is going to be able to continue this for the next couple of weeks, but um, I, he helped me win a league. I didn't think I was going to win. He'll always have a soft place in my heart. That's for sure. But he's got Indianapolis this week and then Tampa Bay. He could, he could absolutely over the course of the next two weeks, he could do, um, what, you know, so many times he's a guy gets hot and wins you a league. So, um, 
yeah, we'll be really interesting to see how the next couple of weeks play out for him. So what about, I want to kind of switch off and ask you about a couple of guys and I want to switch off asking you, are you worried or are you excited? And so the first guy I want to ask you, I want to ask you if you're worried. Um, are you worried about Taquan Smith, Traquan Smith? You know, I haven't seen much of him, uh, but it just seems like why, why the Saints? I don't understand where, why they don't have more options for a team that's passing as much as they do. Uh, if it, if it's uh, if it's not going to, uh, um, I can't think of their stud by Michael Thomas, then it seems like they mm-hmm. just spread the ball out. Uh, so I don't know. I I like to say that I wouldn't be because of his opportunity, but. He hasn't really shown much to say, no, um, you should be worried. So I'm going to go with worried. Yeah, I feel like – I don't know. I feel like he is uh, – he's got to be hurt. I, that's the only thing that makes sense. And I haven't seen anything where he is listed as hurt or you know anything like that. But uh, he had that game against Philadelphia where he got 13 targets. And 10 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. And, I mean, he was just the next can't-miss guy. And if you didn't take him in your dynasty league, you were just kicking yourself. And then he got hurt in that game and didn't practice, didn't play the next week against Atlanta. He has two targets since that big game in week 11. Um, he played a good portion of snaps. He played 41 snaps this past week, 44 the week before, which is kind of right in line with about where he was. Um, but man, I, I, I look at, I look at what it was and I mean, yes, he's playing, but is he more of a decoy right now? I don't know. And I hear New Orleans talking about getting Ted again back on the field. Maybe, maybe designated him for return from IR. Uh, Keith Kirkwood's been slipping down. Do we see Brandon Marshall at some point? Uh, I don't know, but I, like I think the Saints offense definitely, where it looked like, hey, we can throw the ball to anybody. I think in retrospect, when they had four undrafted rookies score touchdowns, maybe we should have been more worried about the quality of targets that Drew Brees has right now. It it sure is weird. Uh, even even their offense, and maybe you, you can explain or go in more detail about. What's actually happening with the Saints? I mean, outside of what is it, mid midway through the fourth quarter against the Buccaneers, they only have what three points or something like that, and then of course the disaster against the Dallas. What's what's happening with that offense that you could see that might help people out there, um, especially during playoff time? Brother sent me a message, I guess, right before halftime against the Bucks. Yeah, where I mean, we got down fourteen to three and. You know, he just said, "What? What? Just the same question you just asked me. What are you seeing this uh, offensively?" And he was asking, "You know, is it play calling? Is Drew Brees just like has he lost it?" Um, and to me, there's three things right now. Uh, if you watch the Saints, there is pressure on every single play, and I don't know if this is just a change defensively. I don't know if maybe the offensive line is, is playing worse or both or, or what it is. Maybe, you know, the game plan from the defensive coordinators are, are, are changing. But, I mean, Drew Brees is getting up the middle pressure, which is the worst kind of pressure for him on almost every single play. And he is really struggling with it. And this has happened a, a few times. And, 
you know, I feel like Sean Payton has been able to overcome it uh, the times that it has happened. And I, and I still expect it to work. I, I expect him to, you know, find a way to overcome some of this, but, um, and, you know, you've got Carolina twice here and then you've got Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is going to get pressure. So that's, that to me, that's the really interesting one on the schedule. You never know with Carolina, uh, which team's going to show up. That's been a very bad team here lately. But I think pressure, and now also the Saints have Teron Armstead coming back. They're starting left tackle, which is going to – I think that would help as well. I think they can do some things where they move some things around um, and get some – I think it will help them with protection. But the other thing that I see too is the quality of receivers. There's been a lot of drops. And that game against Dallas, you know, you don't – obviously you're not worried about um, Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas long term, but those guys had a, a, some drops in that game as well. And you know, Dan Arnold did. Traquan Smith had a drop this past week on his on his only target. Um, I think there's there's just there's been some of that that you don't expect typically, and you weren't seeing early early in the season. And then another thing that's happened a lot is that Saints offense has had a fair share of penalties the past couple of weeks, and I didn't look up to see. I guess I could look up and see the numbers, and I maybe I can't at, at some point. But it just as a fan watching it, it certainly looks like the offense has struggled more with penalties. So uh, I don't know. I've seen Sean Payton go through you know certain times like this where he's having trouble. You know, he gets a little bit too cute, a little bit too carried away, and then some things are exposed, and you know teams start keying in on it. But he always he always has the counter to the counter, and that's what makes him a really good coach. I expect him to do the same thing here. And uh, the good news is for the Saints, just on a, as, a, as a Saints fan, the good news is that defense has been shut down the past um, four or five weeks. And I, I guess as a, as a fan, when I think about what's going to carry you into in the playoffs, um, man, that defense has been very, very good. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about that part of it, too. Now, Dynasty wise, uh, like I could say, the Colts right now would be a great defense that you could get on the cheap for your dynasty teams. They're they're looking very good, and I think they're just going to get better. As far as the Saints considered, and also I should say the Colts are young on defense as well. Uh, the Saints considered are they a lot of their defense uh, young players or? Are they veterans, or what would you say as far as their dynasty value? Where would you go with them? They've got a little bit of a mixture, but for the most part, it's a very young defense. So many of their starters right now are guys that they picked up in the last two drafts, um, two or three drafts. And uh, where they are making the most amount of difference right now is they're making the most amount of difference in their young studs on the defensive line. And, Cam Jordan's a veteran, um, but he's one of the best in the league right now. Sheldon Rankins is playing out of his mind as a you know, defensive tackle. He's a guy that took a couple of years to, to make his impact, but he's really making his presence felt right now. Uh, I think Marcus Davenport, who we gave up two first-round picks for, I certainly would rather have Khalil Mack for those two first-round picks. But, uh, you know, Davenport, when he's been healthy, he's, he, he is getting pressure on the opposing quarterback. And, the, well, you know, of course, Marshawn Lattimore in the secondary, Marcus Williams. You've got some, some playmakers back there that are able to, to do pretty well. They probably need a little bit of help on their, on the opposite corner, although Eli Apple had a much better game this past week. 
um, playing up against uh, Chris Godwin for a lot of the game. So he was a little bit better. Um, I think if they have an area where they need some youth, maybe it's in the linebacker spot. They, Demario Davis is kind of their uh, main guy getting most of the snaps there. Uh, but yeah, I guess overall it's a long way of saying yes. I think it is. It's a young, it's a young defense that uh, if they can keep Dennis Allen in that defensive coordinator role, I don't see why they couldn't continue to to uh, get better. Now, one more question about their defense. Uh, they started off pretty shaky in the beginning of the year, and then lately they've turned it on. What what do you see different that they're doing maybe differently than what they did earlier in the year or were there injuries or that kind of thing? Well, there were some injuries for sure. Um, I think there also was a gigantic hole at their second cornerback position. Um, and two things happened there. Eli Apple came in and took a little bit to figure out what he does best, but as noted this past week, Eli Apple does play best when he's up on the line, putting pressure, getting in the face of the wide receivers, not give, giving him a free release. Um, he tends to do a, a lot better when he's in that position. And now that they've got him doing that, he's been playing a lot better. Um, he still is going to be prone to big plays. Uh, but P.J. Williams is the other guy that plays there some, and he's, he had a very shaky beginning of the year. Uh, and is doing a lot better. Um, maybe the biggest thing that's changed is they're getting a lot more turnovers. And um, they went a large part of the first part of the year where they weren't turning the ball over hardly at all, but they also weren't getting turnovers. And, you know, now you see that defense getting in there, making a lot more plays, getting turnovers. Um, you saw them, you know, do that to quite a few quarterbacks um here recently so they're also the other thing is they're, they're really good at adjusting and um almost every game what you'll see is the very first drive uh me and my brother talk about it all the time but the very first drive the opposing team is probably going to score on the Saints. if they don't then it's going to be a long game for that team but Usually what's happening right now is teams are scoring on that first drive against the Saints. And then Dennis Allen is doing a great job of adjusting from there. And, uh, you know, they wound up giving up two touchdowns to the Bucks this past weekend. Both of them were in the first half, made adjustments, came out at halftime, and they really just shut them down after that. Same thing happened with Dallas. Dallas got 10 of their 13 points in the first half. Well, maybe I've been all 13. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but. 10 or 13 there, there in the first half. They didn't give up very hardly anything at all in the second half. Um, so a lot of – and that's a big key for the Saints is staying on top, staying on top of the other team um, and responding, continuing to respond. But I don't know if you've looked. I mean, they – you know, they – this past week they gave up 14 points to the Bucks. They only gave up 13 points to the Cowboys in that loss, 17 to the Falcons, 7 to the Eagles. 14 to the Bengals. I mean, we've got five straight weeks now where, you know, teams aren't getting into the, into the 20s. So they're playing very well. Yeah. Especially shutting down the Bucks, who, you know, obviously always put up a strong amount of points. And, it, you know, against those other teams as well that you mentioned, you, you always expect, you know, Falcons. And you expect a great amount of points coming from those teams and be able to just lock them down is, yeah, you, you got to say, 
that over a course of four or five games when you're doing it consistently that there's something going on with that defense. Yeah, I mean, they're the only team here recently that um, held Amari Cooper kind of in check. He had, you know, eight catches, 76 yards. I'm looking at it here. Uh, did give up a little bit more. That's one thing they are. They are a little bit – they're going to give up some yards, um, but they've definitely been a – been a you know, bend, don't break kind of kind of team that um, – uh, yeah. So, I don't know that they're the automatic – you know, it used to be that in the part of this year, if you saw your player going against the Saints, you were pretty excited. You know, if you got Cam Newton right now, I don't know if I'm super comfortable. You know, maybe he has a, a decent game. I don't expect him to go off, though, the way I would have in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Gotcha. So, anyway, uh, that's your Saints talk for the day. So, well, like, you know what? Let's jump into uh, the Colts because, yeah, like I I was pretty, pretty pumped to see the Colts have a, a bounce back and hand the Texans their first loss. That had to be pretty, pretty exciting for you, huh? Yeah. They, they started off pretty shaky at first. Uh, it didn't look well. They, they struggled through the first quarter and about midway through the second quarter, they finally got it going. So it was tough to see five and a half quarters of no points whatsoever from an offense that up to then was really putting it on. So they broke through that barrier and then they really just didn't really look back. They put a lot of pressure on Deshaun Watson, got him um, going and uh, just overall played great defense. And with Andrew Luck being able to expose somewhat of the Houston Texans um, defense that is normally really good. They did a great job and ended up winning um, by by three. And so it's uh, it yeah, was good to see. Keep there. Go ahead. Uh, three hundred and ninety nine yards. Yeah, I'd say he did a pretty good job of exploiting that defense. Yes. Um, and uh, man, so much of it on the back of T. Y. Hilton. Man, he is, um, you know, gosh, he came into the game banged up. Looked hurt and got nine catches for 199 yards. You can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, they really they they moved him around quite a bit, and he did a lot of. I mean, anytime you're you, you're catching nine, ten passes, you're going a lot of those are short short to intermediate passes. But he also uh, did some long long distance dial downs that he got a couple, two or three. Um, so. Really good job, uh, considering he was injured, and they didn't really get the running game going as much as I thought they they would. But you know they got another test coming up against the Cowboys to try to keep their playoff hopes alive. Yeah, I was going to ask you about. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you about Mac now because. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit uh, up and down here this this year about Mac, and you know, there was a point where we were kind of anointing him as as you know, clear cut starter. You know, he's going to be their running back of the future. And then last week, I kind of brought up, um, man, I don't know, maybe we anointed him a little bit too soon. And he's only 22. I think sometimes we forget how young he is. I mean, he is a very young running back so maybe you know maybe we need to hold off um judgment on him uh but i mean he he hasn't topped 100 yards since week i don't know if you uh if you, if you realize that wow. on him but yeah, yeah and only two only two touchdowns in that time and that's 
Week eight was when he had his 25 carries, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, week before, 19 carries, 126 yards, and a touchdown. I've been basically, since that moment, thought, okay, he's an every-week starter, and I've been having him in my lineup as an every-week starter, you know, ever since that point. But um, he's really – he's not making up for it in the passing game, only getting one or two catches a game. And, um, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm a little worried about Marlon Mack uh, for the future. Uh, should I be more patient based on his age and just the overall productivity of this offense? Or, you know, do you think there's real reason to think maybe he's not the answer in the backfield? You know, I, I, the, the one thing about the Colts is that they pass the ball quite a bit. They, they're up in the 70% uh, range, which I think is the second uh, highest percentage wise, as far as passing goes. So, that's already a disadvantage for Marlon Mack. He he looks really good, uh, just cutting the ball up when needed to, finding the lanes. He's not running around the tackles like he did last year. Just different things like that. I I, uh, I don't have any problems with Marlon Mack as far as the way he's carrying the ball. I just don't think there's a lot of opportunities for him to be a 100-yard rusher on a consistent basis. So he's going to have to bust one. He'll have to bust a 30-yarder or something to that effect probably to get to the 100 yards. And that's just not going to happen when you're playing defenses like they have in the last few weeks. So um, it's nothing to do with him as a running back. I just think that uh, the Andrew Lutz offense is a lot passing. And when you – don't run the ball as much as they do. And when you have Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins sort of playing a complementary role as well, it just, you're, you're just pinned down to having him. Hopefully he scores a touchdown like he did last week, or he gets, you know, buses a 25 yard run. So it's, it's really a negative on his volume rather than his ability. I remember in the offseason when Eric Ebron was a kind of a sexy sleeper pick, you know, somebody you picked up towards the end of your draft. Um, gosh, those were the days, huh? Because he is, I think, inserted himself as um, one of the best. I don't know, top five, top seven or eight um, uh, guys, if you're ranking the tight ends right now. And, um, I, yeah, probably the top five. What um, – do you expect, I mean, Jack Doyle is obviously coming back next year. What, what do you think is going to happen with this team? Um, I, I, they've shown they can have two tight ends. I mean, Frank Reich, that's what he did in uh, in Philly, and that's what he's doing here in, in Indianapolis. Do you do you think there's just no no effect, no change when we get uh, Jack Doyle back and uh, just w- we'll be going on like normal? And um, do you expect Eric Ebron to keep this kind of production up for a few years, finally realizing his his potential? I definitely see him better than what he ever did with, with Detroit. But with Jack Doyle there, uh, it, that's just, again, we're looking at volume. And he. this is sort of those career peak years that players have, that one-year wonder kind of thing. But I think he's still a solid tight end. I think he's still going to produce. He just will never produce like he is this year. This year is – I would not base his draft status on this year. Uh, and if you are, you're going to, you're going to feel the hurt come, come 
the future. And he's one of those guys that I like to let other people draft. I mean, it's harder in Dynasty, of course, because it's just not just one year, and then he goes back to the pool like redrafts. But um, right. You definitely have to put a cheaper price tag than what he's going on. So, um, yeah, I would. I probably he would. He wouldn't probably make any of my rosters come redraft league or um, um, any kind of startup dynasty league. He he definitely would not make my roster come come next year just because I'm not going to pay the price for him. Eric Ebron runs a route on 96 percent of his snaps in Indianapolis that is an wow. insanely high number for a tight end I I don't know if you can even call him a tight end he's just a wide receiver I, I bet there yeah, are pl- yeah. I bet there are a number of wide receivers that don't have 96 percent uh routes run um yeah that's that's really pretty insane and uh as I was just looking through some of these some of these numbers I you know, you you look when Jack Doyle was on the field, uh, Eric Ebron's snaps decreased. So I don't know. That is maybe something to look at and say, you know, man, it, is this a situation where maybe he will be a little less uh, reliable next year? I I don't know. I I think it's something to. I I obviously he's not going to do what he's been doing. There's there's just no way you, you that anybody could keep that up, but. You know, I, yeah, I start to wonder if maybe maybe there is a maybe there is a case to be made that uh, with Jack Doyle back, it will affect him. Um, even though there's a, a two from there. Hey, real quick, tight ends. I, I made a statement. Um, tell me if you agree. Um, I've got Travis Kelsey number one, Zach Ertz number two, and I'm officially putting George Kittle as my number three dynasty tight end uh, ahead of Gronk. Are you on board? It's a tough one to not say Gronk, but I don't see why not. I mean, it, you know, obviously he's Gronkowski is is when he's on the field he's superb. But I do I want someone who's out, you know, half the games or if not more, compared to someone that is playing for the Forty ers but playing like he's on I don't know Pittsburgh Steelers or Kansas City Chiefs or somewhere like that where he's he's totally taking a team that's really poorly uh offense and just making the best out of it. So yeah, I I don't see why not. Definitely. I I might even have him no, nah, I wouldn't go that far. But I was gonna say I might have him over Earth, but I, I can't do that. Um so yeah, yeah. I definitely think that Kittle is good three, yeah. Put him over Earth or Kelsey either, but uh, I think what changed my mind is I started thinking in the leagues that I have George Kittle, if someone offered me Gronk, would I hit accept? And I kept thinking, no, I, I, not in the dynasty league. Maybe, maybe if it's just a one year thing or, you know, something like that, like I can see possibly, but George Kittle has 1100 yards this season, 1100 yards for a tight end. That's insane. And, you know, I mean, this, there's still three games left. And he's had some of Jimmy G, some of Nick Mullins, and C.J. Beathard throw into him. And he's got 1,100 yards. 
Uh, this I think he's special. I watch him, and I just think he is a special tight end. He's getting the targets. He's he's producing with those targets, and he's practically the only thing the 49ers have on the field for anybody to stop, and they still can't stop him. So I, I think he's a force to be reckoned with. And, um, yeah, he's, he's one of the players I'm most excited about. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm hoping that that time is sort of going to separate memory in these situations because I want to get George Kittle on really on the cheap, but the way he's playing now, thank goodness the four Niners aren't going to make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hoping and praying that people are going to forget about his 200 yard games and his, uh, whatever amount of yards he has right now. I forget what you said, like 1200 yards and just all these great statistics that, that he really shouldn't have being on the 49ers. And so I'm hoping time makes people forget, but I don't know. It's going to be, this is definitely uh, something that is a trend. This is definitely like Travis Kelsey where his first year he showed up, he was impressive. And then he sort of kind of cemented it the second year. And then the third year he exploded and, Next year will be George Kittle's third year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hoping to get him a lot cheaper than probably what he's, you know, going to produce. Yeah, I – if you could get – if you could get George Kittle by trading Eric Ebron, dude, that would be – what a great trade that would be. <laughs> if you could sell high on Ebron and and walk away with Kittle, that would be – I don't even know if you could get it. You couldn't get him for me for that. But if you could get him for uh, for Ebron, that is, I mean, that would be um, that would be crazy. George Kittle is tenth in the NFL in receiving yards. Do you realize that? Wow, that's insane. He has the tenth most receiving yards this year. <laughs> He's going to end up with thirteen hundred yards. 1,300, 1,350, 1,400 yards. And, yeah, I think, yeah, he's a guy that – look, if I had Gronk, I would trade him for – any anybody except for Kelsey and Ertz, I would – I'd be looking to trade him and trade for him. And, uh, yeah, anyway, so I think that actually – man, look at, look at the time. Time flies when you're having fun because uh, it didn't feel like it was an hour and a half, but there there it goes, man. That was like – Yep. It went by a little fast today, so – yeah, I did. But yeah, man, excited to uh, have a chance to talk to you, learn something as always, and uh, good to pick your brain. So appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, follow Mike at, at RFL Red Zone. Follow me at DinoCast Cal, and I uh, yeah look forward to interacting with you guys on Twitter. And Mike, look forward to talking to you next week. Same here, Cal. Have a have a great week, and uh, best of luck to those in the playoffs and uh, you as well uh, looking forward and uh, hopefully you'll take home the championship in our league and uh, best of luck. <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a good one. Uh, you too. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.